0: Hey everybody! This is Phil Town.
1: This is Danielle Town.
0: Welcome to the Invested Podcast. We're pretty excited because this is our one-year calendar anniversary. So Where the
1: podcast has been available to all of you for one full year now. Congratulations, Dad.
0: Well, and congratulations, Danielle. We're I I, I still am having trouble believing that we are um, we are still deep in deep in the forest of investing and and so many different things come up that maybe we should just kind of you know, a little bit of an overview here again, maybe. What do you think? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay, Here we go. Hey, everybody, this is Phil Town.
1: This is Danielle Town.
0: And we're here for the Invested Podcast, which is where we tell you everything you need to know. About really investing your money sort of
1: it's where you tell me everything you think I should know about investing my money and I tell you all the ways that makes no sense
0: (laughs) well unfortunately that's true that is exactly what this podcast is and so if you would like to hear both sides of the yes you should invest your own money argument you're in the right place because Danielle is a very, very well-educated, smart person who does not want to learn to invest. And well,
1: I admit you've been turning me a bit. You've been, you've been turning my mind a bit.
0: Slowly, it's slowly.
1: slowly working.
0: We're finding the hooks that will drive her to be motivated to actually take on this challenge. And That's exactly
1: right. And what we've been finding is that thinking about being mindful about my money and noticing what I'm doing and thinking of it for me as like a practice as opposed to something I have to like learn and then be done with. Thinking about it as an ongoing practice that's going to last forever really is really, really helping me. And all of that sounds kind of vague, I think, but let me make it more pointed. So literally thinking about it every day, like, I'm going to read the news, how is this going to inform what I might invest in? Like what companies are being talked about? Or what industries have had an event happen lately? Like that's really, it's just on that level of that's what I'm trying to do is think about it regularly and think about it intentionally as an investing practice.
0: Well, practice is a great idea. I mean, I, I thought, you know, I've never really thought about it like that, but I've been doing it for a long, long time. and. And you know, it's, it's just always been something I've liked. Um, I really like the idea of digging into stuff and figuring it out, you know? Yeah, and, and that's the
1: difference between you and me, is you like it and are drawn to it, yeah. and I dislike it and want to avoid
0: it. Whereas I, I do not love yoga. And <laughs> <laughs> although it's something I've been trying to do for 40 years, I am just, it's just tough for me to do yoga. I'm really kind of stiff and... And I, you know, it's hard for me to take the time. I don't really love the practice, but I totally once get you're it.
1: into it, though, literally with yoga, once you do it for a little while, I've seen you do it before for a little while, you get into it and it starts feeling better, right?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. When I was when I was meditating in that sort of, um, you know, ashram environment in Europe for like six straight months, I did yoga six times a day. And uh, <laughs> that's
1: a lot of times.
0: I know, <laughs> And I loved it. It was just like, wow, it feels so good, you know yeah, um, not so much today.
1: But well, that's because you stopped. <laughs> it's
0: because I feel like a board trying to bend a two by four is kind of And what Now I'm doing. when you
1: start, it's like so painful. it's just the worst. Yeah. that's how I feel about this investing stuff, which is I, completely I wrong. Imagine that once I get into it, and I have been now for a while, it's it becomes easier it becomes a little bit more automatic there's something that i don't have to think about every day in order to get going on it
0: it becomes
1: becomes a little more ingrained and maybe a little more flexible to use you know the yoga now well
0: i'm facetiously sitting back here saying you're you know it's absolutely wrong not to love doing this but of course i'm just making i'm I'm making light of it it's it's you know a practice like this like dieting or like, you know, eating well or like, like working out or like, you know, any of the things that we know we have to do, that you know we should do them, we know they'll extend our life, we know they'll make our lives so much happier, and they still are really hard to do. They, you well, know, yeah. life gets in the way of this stuff. So, finding a way to make it relevant is gigantic when we come to yoga or eating well or investing well. Finding a way to make it something that you really will enjoy doing because there's some relevance that you you put. I don't know, is that the right word, relevance?
1: I was just thinking I really like that word. I think that's exactly right. I mean, all of those things you just said are relevant to our lives, like eating well is very relevant. Working out is very relevant. But it's hard to remember that in the moment when you're really busy. Right. And in order for you to do those things, you can't do something else. And the something else is, is something that feels way more relevant, like spending time with your family or like.
0: Opening the refrigerator. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, or like getting honestly, your work done for your actual job. Like there comes a point where it, it, it's less relevant than it should be.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, Melissa and I are just trying to figure out how to organize our lives so that we can go to sleep at 9.30 and get up at dawn. That's what we want to do. How hard could that be? I mean, I mean we have, honestly,
1: that's probably really hard for most people. But, but, but
0: all that stands in the way is just the determination to do it for us. No, I mean, we don't have you, anything else in the way. For
1: you, Hedge fund guy. That's all that stands <laughs> in your way. Exactly. <laughs> for for the person who works in his house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's exactly right. I have no excuse whatsoever. You have,
1: you have literally no excuses. And every time I hear you being like, oh, it's so hard. I'm just like, oh, my God.
0: <laughs> no. I, I admit it. You I know have no excuse. What people's
1: lives are like.
0: <laughs> we have no excuse. and 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 yet, it's hard. I mean, we just... Have to be disciplined about it, and
1: well, because things pop up. I mean, right? That's the thing. Is like, no matter what your situation is, things pop up.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we're we're trying to eat earlier. We're trying to set schedules. We're trying to keep things from popping up. Um, but at the end of the day, I just wanted to say that I'm I'm in you know in a it's like a family thing. We all have these issues we're dealing with, and we have to decide what are the the Three or four major things in our lives that we really want to change, and then get focused on those things. I mean, we, it, as long as it stays kind of an amorphous pile of goals, it's going to be really hard to get those to change. But I think if we narrow things down and say, look, these are four really important things, or these are three really important things, you know? Yeah, yeah. Health, money. Family relationships. Let's say those three things. Or we want to change our lives around those three things. Then we have to take a different approach than than just sort of a general goal. I think I think we got to get hardcore about it.
1: I mean, well, I think having clear steps takes away a layer of uh, of thought, if that makes sense. Like if you once you've set it out, you don't have to think about that anymore. It's there. Yeah, and all you have to do is do it. Now, all you have to do is do it is much easier said than done. But at least you've gone through the, you've taken out that uh, intermediary step of saying what is it. Okay, so now I know what it is. Now I just go do it. Yeah. At least, at least you've accomplished like half of that process.
0: So what we're doing here? So that's here, what
1: that's what we're working on here. That's yeah, what exactly. we're
0: working on here. Exactly what we're working on here is to. To get that nailed down so that that part is no longer an issue, and
1: um, yeah, what are the steps?
0: What are the steps, and what are, what is the process that'll get us to where we want to go?
1: And, and I think, I'm working on that because I don't I, I don't think I've really quite got it from the rule one perspective. So we're trying to figure it out together.
0: I know it's like we start off with this this really simple structure that Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett lay out, where it's just about those four things that we've talked about a dozen times of being capable of understanding a business, um, you know, I, I like to think of that in terms of my own value system, what what I want to see in the world. And then secondly, do we know that the business has that all-important characteristic built into it that protects it from competition, which Charlie calls a moat, or Warren calls a moat, which is some intrinsic part of the business like railroad tracks to a railroad company that's just baked in there um, that makes it very difficult to compete with them. So we're looking for that kind of a thing. And then does the management team have integrity and talent to do their jobs, which is tough to figure out actually.
1: Yeah, that's one that we haven't really delved into yet and we need to. Yeah, I've been ducking that. That'll come in the future because, (laughs) yeah, well, that's the thing is it's, um, it's the one, and then the last one is the the price, which is what we've been discussing for yeah. the last, um, you know, however long. <laughs> yeah, figuring
0: out what the price should be in a reasonable yeah. range, and then making sure you're buying it for a lot less than that, waiting for that all-important event to happen, either to the economy in general or just the regular market fluctuations that come along every four or five years or you know or or there's an event in the industry or maybe there's a you know a big event in that company but you you have to have an event that drives the price down because of fear uh, again either fear of the entire world economy going to hell or fear of that particular company having a big problem that's going to last longer than a year or so and if 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 it has those elements <clears throat> you know then then we're kind of in business so yeah, and look
1: at everything you just said. I mean, you just said probably 20 seconds of stuff about what Charlie says is, well, we can't pay an infinite price, so we won't. <laughs> I mean, come on! Like, are you kidding? That's, that's all he says? Are you kidding me? It's just extraordinary to me. There's so much... Uh,
0: but in I, a way, Charlie's so right about how simple it is and and how the best investors in the world and have consistently figured out where the mistakes are in investing so that they can invest with relatively low risk and a relatively high return, which of course the the modern portfolio theory about investing says is impossible. So for example, if you go take a test at a robo-advisor, they're gonna ask you, you know, do you want a low return and low risk or do you want a high return and higher risk? And how long are you willing to wait around for your return at the higher risk level? And, and they're not going to present you with an, a question that says, "Would you like uh, a high return with low risk?" They're, because we would all say yes, well,
1: they think they think that that's not possible. They right?
0: think it's impossible, right. And yet our style of investing seeks out those opportunities. And we believe they do exist in a modern in, in the modern markets, which are rife with emotion, which is where these errors of pricing occur. When the emotions get heated, around a problem and fear grows, then you have an opportunity where the big fund managers have all decided in mass, like lemmings, to get off the ship and they're all all leaving. And when that happens, you have Whole Foods at $6 and you have Chipotle Mexican Grill at at 49 bucks and you have fabulous companies massively on sale um, for reasons that have nothing to do with that company at all. And that's what we're waiting for. Ben Graham, 80 years ago, said the secret to this style of investing is to simply be patient, be able to wait for the normal market fluctuations. So so this investing style is adamantly opposed to the idea that you dollar cost average uh, in your investing strategy. What is that? That means you just buy every month at you know some index at whatever the price is that that thing's selling for, so you it does. You never look at what price and value are. You just buy at the price, and that's. So a, is
1: that a bet on the market overall? Yeah,
0: so it's basically spec It's speculating that the market will go up, and we don't like to speculate. So so this uh, this notion that this is hard to do is I think on one hand. Yes, it's very hard to do if what you have to do is invest other people's money all the time and be smarter than everyone else and always be making a higher return every year than the market. This is really hard. I would say this is impossible to do. The fact that Warren Buffett has managed to do it for 40 years is, as every academic out there would say, completely anomalous to the real world. Buffett's a genius. I mean he's managed to do this with billions and billions of dollars and beat the market almost every year for almost 50 years. And so that's really hard to do. Now, when it comes to a small investor with just a few thousand dollars to a you know a few dozen million dollars, you know, really small amounts of money relative to the market.
1: Just a few dozen million.
0: Yeah, where you can really buy in and sell without affecting the price of these companies predominantly. Then you know you're talking like you can have millions of dollars out in the market and not really affect much that's going on out there. You got hundreds of millions or billions, yeah, you're going to affect things pretty substantially. But the idea that an individual investor um, has an enormous advantage here is really what 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 Charlie's talking about. I mean, he essentially is saying, "Look, this is really simple, simple stuff." The the advantage that Warren and Charlie have, that Charlie says over and over again is their, their main fundamental advantage, is that they're not driven to act every day in the market. They can sit on their butts for months, if not years, and do nothing. And That advantage does not exist with virtually anybody else out there who's managing other people's money. They don't have that option.
1: Well, that's nice. I mean, I'm glad glad
0: for them. (laughs) Well, my point is that that's your advantage, too. You're just like they are. You don't have anybody putting a gun at your head and saying, be a genius every day.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that that's great, like, down the line. What I'm more concerned about is, like, how do I get to that point where – I'm sitting here with company X and I've done my research and I'm fully confident in its price and its management and its moat and that I understand the company and I'm just sitting here waiting to buy it. Like that to me would be a great position to be in. And then I can get the pep talk about how lucky I am that I don't have a hundred million dollars. <laughs> so so what? what concerns me is like-
0: You have awesome. a way of putting things, I have to say. <laughs> Turn that on its head.
1: Uh, I mean, I guess if I had a hundred million dollars, I wouldn't have to invest all of it in the stock market all at once. So I'd probably still be okay. I think I'm okay with a hundred million dollars. I could do like 20 in real estate. I could do like 50 in the market. I think that's probably okay with my dozens of millions.
0: And again, and again, you're gonna invest the money, you're gonna invest the money in real estate exactly the same way you invest it in businesses. I could spend some of it. You could put some money in real estate when you have an opportunity to buy it at a really good cap rate that reflects the cash flow coming off of that real estate just the same way as it would be in a business, in a regular business. And by the way, when you get hundreds of millions, then you can be in a position to buy an entire company in this way and just take it over and, and own it outright. You know, you can find a small company worth 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 million that has uh, a lot of fear around its industry or, your, or it's 2009 all over again. And, and anybody that needs any kind of financing is offering their companies up for sale for nothing, for pennies on the dollar. I mean, people who were able to buy those companies because they know something about how to look at a business... We're able to snap up phenomenal companies at super cheap prices just back then. And that opportunity is going to come again and again and again over your lifetime.
1: Well, the good thing, yeah. I mean, the good thing is that it's actually, I don't think, again, personal opinion entirely. I don't think we're in that situation right now where things are really well priced no. across the market. And no, so, not. again, your personal opinion entirely, right?
0: That's my personal opinion. Yes. Things are very, yeah, don't go, yeah. Remember, we're not your advisor out there. Um, We're definitely not advising you. We're hearing entertainment and education and our personal opinions only. So don't take action on anything you're hearing here, or for that matter, anything you hear for anybody, or anything you hear on TV, or anything anybody says out there, or your broker calls you, or your neighbor tells you, or your brother-in-law says something. Do not act on any of that without doing homework and knowing you know what you're talking about.
1: Which is the whole point of what we're talking about here. Which is
0: the whole point. Being do able your to homework. function.
1: I need to do my homework. And so does everybody listening. And so do you, by the way. You do your homework. Absolutely. And that's how this works.
0: And be patient. And what
1: we've been doing on this podcast is our homework on valuation.
0: Yes. Which, and it
1: has been such long homework.
0: <laughs> <sighs> it's it's because this is endlessly a, a subject that that has its... It radiates into all parts of life. I mean, talking about our money is, in a way, talking about our happiness. It's, in a way, talking about our, our ability to get our kids down the road to have a better life than we have. It, it, we're talking about our marriages. I mean, how many marriages break up because of money? You know, we're talking about our, our career path. I mean, how many people are doing careers they hate because of money? How many doctors are out there who would do something else if, if it wasn't for the money? I mean, you just think about...
1: It brings you choices. Man. It brings you a feeling of freedom. Yeah. And that's if, what we're all going for.
0: I mean, I'm thinking now because I'm getting a little older, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I've really got to pay attention to my health, you know, I've really got to watch it and and be more alert to to being in better shape and to, you know, taking care of myself,
1: eating better... Um, you're, you're good, though. You're good. You're in good shape. You do a really good job.
0: I do okay. I do okay. Thanks, Hannah. I appreciate that. You know, and, and, but I'm thinking like health, you know, if you think about money and By health By the way, is,
1: last time in our last podcast, you were like hacking up a lung from your bronchitis. Oh, How are you feeling today? Doing, I you, sound, you sound way better.
0: This is a shout out to Tom Berenger. Thank you, Dr. Berenger. You are a genius. And I am back to, I would say, I'm at 99.5% right now, which is really 99%. getting back there. Yeah. yeah, I'm almost I'm almost, almost completely, completely super perfect. <laughs> and uh, and I'll tell you, going through an experience like that for a guy at my age is just kind of like a wake-up call that says, okay, um, this is really important. This is a priority, okay? And I have to think that money is like that. As well that it has to be a priority because if you think that we're on this planet for something other than uh, being healthy and having money in other words if you think you've got a, a purpose to be here that your life should have meaning um, to make the world a better place to make the world better for your kids some some value to your life of, of having been on this planet for you know for four or eight decades then Money and health are your two fundamental tools to get to that place.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're basic, unfortunately, in our current world, the second one, money, is basically a requirement to be able to do what you want to do. And health is a requirement for everybody, no matter what kind of society you live in. Yeah, so, so yeah, I, I agree with that. I, if, that if,
0: right. if we're looking at the two or three things you've really got to focus on in your life, I mean, getting some way to create money that doesn't take you 10 hours a day. It is not a second job that requires a lot of of effort all the time to just, you know, like my dad, like your granddad, you know, just working at Dairy Queen, you know, to to make ends meet is is just being a rat on a wheel. I mean, God love my dad, but he didn't have choices because he never had anybody in his life that could teach him about this stuff. And it made me really want to not have that life, I'll tell you. And all of you who are out there who share in that experience understand exactly what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, and, th- and that's why they're listening, and that's why we're doing it. And it's hard. Like, I don't, I, I really like talking about how great it all can be. And I want to remember that it's hard for us. Like, it's not, I think sometimes it's like a little bit hard for you, but I don't think it's very hard for you. It's hard for the rest of us.
0: what what is hard? Which is, what's the hard thing here?
1: So for example, last podcast, we ended on discussing the reciprocal of the PE ratio. And I was like, oh my God, I gotta like wrap my mind around this reciprocal thing. And I vaguely remember that. and And it just made me realize that there is a whole world of math out there that other people know about who are evaluating things in the market. And I actually don't have the skills to know if I know enough in that department. Okay. So, so that's hard. I got you. like, that's like a, that's a, that's a little moment of, whoa, I might be committing my life savings to something I don't know enough about. Gotcha. And this is what we talk about all the time, you know, like, how do you know when you don't know? That's the hardest thing. And right. that, uh, that's exactly where we ran into last time. Um, and at a certain point, I think the answer <laughs> for me is because I'm not going to go back to school and, and study math. Just I'm just not going to. So the answer for me is at a certain point, you just have to trust some experts to say here's a method if you use it you'll end up with a decent number and I'm just going to have to go with that.
0: Yeah I think that's the right answer actually you're learning a language that's a foreign language and you could spend a lifetime studying this language you can go to school to study the language people do that um, but it turns out that <laughs> like, I remember Warren Buffett saying once that Learning how to do this the way we do it, the way I'm teaching you, is a little bit for most people who have gone through this really long educational process to become really good financial advisors and analysts on Wall Street, it's a little bit like hearing that they just went to divinity school for the last eight years and got a PhD in in, in divinity or whatever you'd get there and, and discovered that all they really didn't need to know were the Ten Commandments. It would be like, crap, I wish I had known that there were just these 10 things I had to know rather than eight years of divinity school, right? So, I, I mean, you may not such, like the metaphor. That's
1: such a simplistic thing to no, say. No,
0: it's not. It is yes. not. Okay. Simplistic implies that it's wrong. It's absolutely accurate. There, You do not need eight years of a of, uh, of management analyst training here you know, college and a, and a, and a master's degree and, or a PhD. You don't need that in order to be a really good investor. What you well, need to okay, know is okay. a few things. So there's
1: there's the problem. in That was something Warren Buffett said? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So, so there's the problem in Buffett's statement is he didn't say what it's for. So uh, if you're going to go to divinity school and study for eight years, and I almost went to divinity school, so I have actually thought about this. I do think it's completely worth it. If what you want it for is to be an expert in theology and guide other people in the minute details of Christian theology. I think it's absolutely worth it and everyone should do it who wants to do that. I don't think that knowing the 10 Commandments and that's all you know, is going to make you very good at understanding Christian theology and all of its history and all of its minute details. So it depends on what you wanna use it for. If you wanna just be a person who like lives decently well day to day and really doesn't have to know why they're doing it or what the history is or or you know exactly what jesus said at a certain point in time then yeah going to divinity school for eight years is pointless so it depends on what your goal is and it's the same thing here if what you want to do is go manage a billion dollars and be a financial advisor you probably have to know more than what i know right now right but if i want to do if what i want to do is only manage my own money I probably don't need to know what that person knows.
0: Well, to scramble <clears throat> the metaphor a tad, um, it would be a better metaphor if what you did is go to divinity school uh, for an entirely different religion and then find out that the only true religion was the Ten Commandments. That would that would be a much more accurate <clears throat> accurate metaphor because these people who are going to school to learn how to properly figure out the value of a business they're going to NYU business school to learn all of that and then they come out as analysts you know they can tell you how many angels are dancing on the head of a pen but they can't tell you that their angels are real it's it's <laughs> it's a kind of a fantasy and it prepares them beautifully to go off to an Ivy League school and teach this crap that they think they know about angels on a pen but it's wrong. And so what Buffett's really saying is that the real truth about investing is dead simple. It comes down to a handful of rules. It's not about understanding the reciprocal of the PE. It's understanding that you want a 10% yield on free cash flow. It's understanding that an event has put this thing on sale and you know what the value is and you know what the event was, you know it's short term. It's about understanding the business. It's about a very small number of things done very well with an enormous amount of patience to wait for the market, which is very emotional, to deliver to you this great company at an emotionally wrong price. That's (laughs) all this is. All right,
1: I take your point on that. It sounds like it's the difference between theory and practice. And in practice, maybe you don't need all the theory.
0: There you go. And, and absolutely, whenever I make a mistake on this podcast and confuse you, it seems it's inevitably because I start to throw in jargon like reciprocal of PE. It's stupid of me to say that kind of stuff because I don't invest when I'm thinking about reciprocals. I don't. I don't use that. <laughs> I, I, I just. What happens is I just sort of drop into an academic dumbass for a moment there. And, and it's totally worthless. You don't need to know that stuff. And I apologize for ever putting it out there in public. We just need to stick to our knitting here and stick with the Ten Commandments, or in our case, the Four Commandments, and just understand each of them well. That's all we're gonna do.
1: I, I like that. I mean, the reason, it's not your fault, Dad. The reason that you started talking about the reciprocal is that I asked about the relationship between a PE ratio and a cap rate because I didn't understand it. So.
0: <laughs> then in the future, I'm going to say, you don't need to know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's – let's uh, next time, let's and go into – And that's the
1: key. But what you just said is the key. So my problem is I don't know what I don't know. Right. That's where a teacher comes in.
0: Right. Right. You
1: say – you don't need to know that. And I go, well, I have no idea if that's true because I don't know what I don't know. But I've decided to trust you.
0: Good. I like this. I'm going to say that a lot more in the future. And let's start the future with next week. Let's talk about dividends. We, we had a question come up about how we're, why we're not using dividends to, to value a business, which are a very important part of the value of a business why aren't we using them? And, yeah, we had a
1: great question yeah. come in to questions at investedpodcast.com, our email address, which you guys can email. We I will not respond, probably. Um, we will not be responding to the questions. We can't respond to all of them. There's a bunch that are coming in, but um, but they're great, and we do want them, and um, and we'll get to them as we can and as they fit into what we're talking about. And So this one, I got, and I thought, that's a great question that I hadn't yeah.
0: thought of. That's right on right on the subject. So we're going to talk about dividends next time, and we're going to talk about what they are, you know, when a company should be providing dividends, when they should not be providing dividends, what the difference is between pricing a business using dividends, and why we don't do that. We'll talk about all that next week, because I think it's important. Um, really good investing should pay attention to dividends.
1: So Yeah, yeah, people ask me about that a lot and I don't know the answers. Cool. And we are going to eventually wrap up valuation, but I'm just I'm going to stop promising to wrap up valuation <laughs> because there's a lot to say and I feel okay about that. And we're just going to continue on until it becomes the right time to recap everything, wrap it up, get the numbers out there. Um I know you guys have been wanting the numbers and, and we're working on that so that you can follow along a little more easily while you're driving. And, uh, and we're on it. So we'll That's get it. it.
0: That's it. So until next time, time to go play. See ya. Bye, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to Invested, the Rule 1 podcast. If you like this episode, you can always get our show notes and more details and links to the resources we discussed at investedpodcast.com. Also, as long as you're online, head on over to investedpodcast.com slash workshop. For details on an upcoming three day live workshop that I'm hosting, all you gotta do to go is enter the special podcast code STOCKPILE, that's S T O C K P I L E, stockpile, into the application form, and you guys can attend for free. So, everything discussed on this show is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion, and it is not to be taken as investment advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor Have I Considered Your Personal Situation as Your Fiduciary? This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really do hope you've enjoyed it. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.